Gracious Father, as we open your word, it is an ancient word, but it is ever true. It is the only thing that changes our lives. And so I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would give us ears to hear. I pray not just ears to hear, but that you would break, break into those barriers, break through those walls that we have put up. Come do the work you long to do in us. Pray that you would, through this time, as we continue to worship you, that you would continue to transform our lives more and more into the image of Christ our Savior. So we pray, come Holy Spirit, come have your way among us today. In Christ's name, amen. Please be seated. Well, this morning we kick off a new season in the life of the church. Some of you will notice the colors that we're wearing are different. They're green. Um, it's the season that we call in the life of the church, ordinary season, ordinary time. It's actually the longest season of the church calendar. It'll take us well into the fall. And, and what we typically think of when we think of this ordinary season is, is the connection that life is lived in the ordinary moments, isn't it? And so what we're going to look at this summer in particular through different passages through God's word is what does it look like for us to encounter Jesus in the ordinary moments of life? Many of us have had those mountaintop experiences, you know, with the Lord. We're like, wow, just something you've never experienced. And, and some have had and live in those, those valleys below. But the reality that we find in the scriptures is life is lived in the ordinary moments. And so what we're going to be looking at is what does it look like to invite Jesus and recognize him in those ordinary moments where he plays a major part of our lives throughout the day. One of the things we're going to look at this morning is Psalm 130 that we read a moment ago. And what we see in this psalm is an individual who wrote this psalm who has a deep, intimate relationship with the Lord, who walks with the Lord in those ordinary moments of life, you saw in the beginning, the psalmist crying out. It says, out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord, hear my voice. And it's a picture for us. And we're going to look in a minute of what it looks like to live our lives surrendered to Jesus in the ordinary moments of our day and the impact the Lord has on that. Well, there's one word that the psalmist mentions that I want us to unpack in greater detail this morning. It's a word that's on our minds every day. It's a word that we think about a lot. It's a word that we say a lot, and we say it without even thinking of what we're basing that word on. Do you know what the word is? Yeah, hope. Hope. That's exactly every day you and I wake up with hopes, don't we? We hope for something. We, we may not say it, but we're surely thinking it. I mean, just think right now in your own life, what are the things that you are hoping for? You know, typically, if you're married or you have, you're living with somebody at home, you, you say before you leave, I hope you have a good day, right? Or you can say, I hope it doesn't rain today. No, it's going to, but, you know, we can say, I hope it doesn't rain today. Some of you are saying or thinking, I hope this summer is going to be a lot different than last summer. And I think already we're seeing that it will be. But we all have hopes, don't we? Some are thinking, I hope that she'll forgive me. I hope he's not going to be angry with me. Others will think, I hope I get that promotion I've been wanting. 
There's things that we hope for all the time, aren't there? If you're a parent with young kids here this morning, certainly you've been thinking this, I hope we have a good summer with the kids. I hope they get along. Uh, I hope there's enough activities that can keep them busy and occupied. I hope they grow in the Lord and knowing His grace. Some of you will hope for things at work. I, I hope things will change. I hope the environment will get better than it has been. I think you're getting the point. Every day we come at a new day with hopes, with things that we hope for. But here's what I want you to think about this morning. Have you ever stopped to think what the object of your hope is? What's the object of your hope? Who or what are you basing your hope in? Have you ever thought about that? I don't think a lot of us do. We just kind of say the word or we just hope. You see, the object of our hope is going to come from one of two places. It's going to come from the created or it's going to come from the creator. One of two places. When our hope is placed in the created, we're placing our hope in people or things around us. And friends, let me tell you, when we do that, we fall into the trap of what I would call a functional deist. You know what a functional deist is? (laughs) It's someone who believes in God, believes that God exists, but also thinks that God is not actively involved in the universe. I believe he exists, but I'm not, don't believe he's involved in everything going on. And so I'm going to place my hope in the things around me, right? Now, you may be thinking, okay, that's not me. And 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 for many of you, that's not what you believe. But I would step back and say, step back and look at your life. You may not believe, you may not be saying I'm a functional deist, but are you living as one? You see, any time we place our hope in the created, in people or things, we're actually living as a functional deist. Let me give you some examples. When you hope that your marriage is going to change and the object of... The object of your hope is your spouse changing. (laughs) You don't have a whole lot you're going to stand on, do you? You get that. You're not likely to get very far. Or when you hope to break an addiction and you're relying on your own self-determination, your own self-will. Friends, I will tell you, you're not going to get very far. When you look to someone else to satisfy your desires, to, to give you the love that you're longing for. I will tell you that if you're just hoping that that person is going to do that, they're going to fail you because we do fail each other. Maybe some of you will say, well, I, you know, I'm hoping I'm about to buy this house and I hope that this is going to then satisfy all the things that I've wanted. Then I'll be content in all of that. And I can tell you as someone who's lived in probably more houses than we can count, houses break down, they're in need of repair, they get old. You're kind of getting the point. When we place our hope in the things created, they are always going to disappoint us. And, and what I've realized, and I will tell you this is from personal experience, when I find myself operating out of that role of a functional deist, is that when I'm putting my hope in things or people, I find in my life my anxiety rises, I try to control things, fear increases, I begin to doubt more and ultimately hopelessness comes in. Why? Because those things or those people will not give us the security and the surety that you and I need in life. A human relationship is going to fail you. 
Your children are going to disappoint you. Your house is going to get old in need of repair. Your financial portfolio is, is never going to be enough. You see, when our hopes are based on the things created, it becomes more of wishful thinking, doesn't it? When we say, I hope for fill in the blank. What we find in Psalm 130 is something very different. The psalmist opens our eyes to a greater way. What the psalmist shows us is the way that we can truly have hope is when it is anchored and secure in the Lord, period. Our hope, when it is anchored in the Lord, we can go forward with great certainty and great surety that the Lord is going to work something out in our midst that is going to be glorious. We don't see it now, but it will be. Listen to what the psalmist wrote, verses 5 through 8 of Psalm 130. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. We find the psalmist doing we see that the psalmist has a single-minded focus. And his focus is on the Lord, his God. And that's where his hope rests. He's not looking for the created to give him relief or to be the foundation of his hope. He looks to the Lord to be the object of his hope. Do you know why? Because with God, there is love and provision like no other. The psalmist shows us where to find it. He says, in his word, I hope. I love it because the object of his his hope is in the living God found in the living word. The psalmist didn't just, as as we can often do, he, he didn't just know about the word. He didn't just hear it read. He encountered the living God through the living word. And because of that, he knew his hope was in the Lord. It wasn't just something he was trying to muster up, but it was a reality that's foundational to life. And what we see here is this, in the waiting for what we hope for, and we're all waiting for things, aren't we? We all have things we're waiting for. In the waiting, what we find is we're not passive, we're not inactive. Look what the psalmist does. He used his time to actively set his hope on God's promises revealed in his word. He said, in his word, I hope. Throughout God's word, I said, it's living and active. And and one of the things that the psalmist wrote here, he he used this word in verse seven. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is what? Steadfast love and plentiful redemption. I love that word. Some of you who've been around St. Andrews long enough know that that's one of my favorite Hebrew words. In the Hebrew, it's hesed. It's a word pregnant with meaning, showing us who our God is, that he's a God with of steadfast love. And he is a God who is different from any of the other gods that any other religion worships. He is different from any other God that you and I run to those idols that we tend to run to, to place our hope in. When we see that word steadfast love attributed to God, it's a word that sets him apart from every other God. And here's how. It shows us that he is a God who delights in being kind. 
He delights in loving kindness, in forgiving. He delights in bringing salvation to people who do not deserve it. When the psalmist wrote this word, he knew not just about a God of steadfast love, but his life had been marked by steadfast love. And he knew that he was a man forgiven, who was watched over by God, who was loving and kind. It's a word that describes that God is always faithful to his promises. You ever wonder if he is going to be faithful to his promises? We all do, don't we? But this word gives us an assurance that God is who he says he is. He works toward us, his children, in this in these ways. That his love is unmovable. It's unshakable and it's undeniable. Talk about putting your hope in a God like that. Whose love for you and the, and the things that you're hoping for that you may not have even shared with someone. When you turn to the Lord our God, you can know for certain that his love for you is unmovable, unshakable, and undeniable. Because it's a love filled with mercy and grace for us. You see, God knows our hopes. He knows our desires. He knows our longings. And because he is a living God, he knows exactly how to meet them. I heard someone say, and it's nothing new, but I just loved it this week. Someone said, you know, God's mercy is so much greater than our sins. And when we know that and what God has done for us, we can place our hope in a God who cares for the things that you and I care about. Let me ask you this. Have you encountered God's steadfast love lately? Think about that. How have you encountered God's steadfast love in your life? Maybe some of you can list the ways. Maybe others you're sitting there thinking, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't thought about it. I don't know how I would answer that question. But I think it's a question we need to think about. Because if God is a God of steadfast love, friends, that is a steadfast love that is before us every moment of the day, watching over us, guiding us, and all those ordinary moments of life that you and I go through. When I think about that word steadfast love, I quickly think about what Jeremiah wrote in Lamentations chapter 3. Some of you all are going to be familiar with this. It's a book that, that, that he wrote in the Old Testament describing what happened to, to Judah when the Babylonians came. God brought the Babylonian Empire to overpower his people because they continued to turn away from him. So Jerusalem was laid bare. The temple that Solomon built was destroyed. And they were in ruins. But in the midst of that, there is hope. And he gives this word. But this I call to mind. Therefore, I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. What I want you to hear this morning out of that and out of this passage in Psalm 130, whatever you're longing to see happen, whatever place of despair you might be in, friends, have hope. Have hope in the Lord's steadfast love that his love for you never ceases. 
And let him give you strength and perseverance to continue to walk through whatever God has put before you in your path right now. There's something else I want us to see that Jeremiah wrote here. He wrote, but this I call to mind. But this I call to mind. Friends, in the ordinary moments of life, we ought to be calling to mind the steadfast love of the Lord. Now, what does that look like? What I would encourage you to do is is take moments in your day and step back. I would say maybe start with five minutes in a day in the middle of your day. Get a pen and just write out on a on a post-it note. Y'all know I love post-it notes. My desk filled with them. My house is. Write out what are the ways that you have encountered the steadfast love of the Lord in your life in the past few hours. Now, sometimes we've got to really think about it. But let me tell you what that's going to begin to do. It's going to be to begin to reshape your thoughts, your imagination, your eyes to be open to see the movement of the Lord with you in the ordinary moments of the day. It causes us to pause, to slow down and stop. If you're like me, you're really good at running through a day. And I can run through a day as fast as the next person. But I'm learning to slow down. And I'm learning to recount the steadfast love of the Lord. Let me tell you what that's doing to my faith. It is strengthening it like never before. And the things that are before me that there's some significant uncertainties. God is there. And I can put my hope in the God that I see moving throughout the day. Does that make sense? So I want to encourage you to begin to think about adopting a practice like that into your life. It's simple. But I think it's going to begin to grow your faith. So I was thinking about this. I was thinking about in the Anglican Church, the Book of Common Prayer, that book that Thomas Cramner wrote so many years ago. One of the things we find in there is a section of prayers, morning prayers, noon prayers, and evening prayers. And one of his visions was that the people of God would so order their lives around the Word of God that we would stop in the morning in the middle of the day and in the evening and recount the steadfast love of the Lord. Friends, when you do that, you will find that your hope isn't a wishful thinking, but it is rooted and grounded in a God who is sure and true and knows exactly what you need and will lead you to that place ahead. He is a faithful God. Before I close, I want to read this, just verse 6, and look at this for just a brief moment. In verse 6, the psalmist says, My soul waits for the Lord more than watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. That's what I want you to see out of those verses. What he's saying is this, watch with expectancy, watch with anticipation, because God is faithful in all he says and does. Commentators have differed on what a watchman is, what he's referring to. But let me give you two examples of what they think uh, the psalmist might be mentioning here. You know, in the ancient Near East, the cities had fortified walls built all around them. And watchmen would stand at different places along the walls. And at night especially, they would look out to make sure there was not an enemy coming to attack by the surprise at night. And so as they would watch, they would watch to see, but they would also eagerly watch for the sun to rise. They would watch for the dawning of a new day 
because they knew that when the sun came up, they would be relieved of their duty that day and could go home. What a picture. They watched with anticipation and expectation that the day would come. Some of them see these as watchmen in the temple, Levitical priests, who would watch for the sun to rise in the morning so that they could go in the temple to make the sacrifice for the sins of the people. Whatever the psalmist has in mind, I don't think it matters. The point is this. They watched with expectation. They watched with anticipation. Friends, because our God is a God of steadfast love and mercy, you and I can watch with expectation and anticipation that God is going to move. I don't know how he's going to answer those hopes that you have or the ones that I have, but I know that he will move. And I know that he is faithful and he is kind. And his promises are always true. So I want to end with this. As the psalmist ends, he knew the steadfast of the Lord was so great that he calls out to Israel. He writes, oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. And I would say, St. Andrew's, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord, there is steadfast love and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities because he is a God of steadfast love. So as you walk forward, be aware of what the object of your hope is. (laughs) And when you find it in a person or a thing, quickly turn back to the unshakable foundation of the Lord our God. And you will find your faith strengthened and your hope renewed in the love and grace of Christ. Amen? Amen. Father, would you take us deep this summer? Would you take us deep to see, Jesus, that you are with us in all of those moments of the day? And especially today, where there are those here who are longing for hope, those who walked in there without hope, Would you show them that you are the God of all hope? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.